For almost 2,000 years, the Catholic Church has pointed the way toward salvation through Jesus Christ. For each of us, that journey starts in darkness, as if in a cave. We invite you now to come with us as we seek wisdom and truth by way of faith and reason with your guides, Mark Tuttle and Timothy O'Donnell. Join us in the Catholic Cave. Welcome once again to the Catholic Cave. I'm Kent Blanford in the cave with me, Mr. Mark Tuttle. And this week we send out our best to our co-cave man, Mr. Timothy O'Donnell. Tim is unfortunately right now recovering from COVID. And so he'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, We wish him the best to him and his wife, Maureen. Unfortunately, both of them have come down with it. But uh, we're going to prattle along and uh, see what we can do to... uh, Keep the airwaves filled with uh, some philosophical thinking and uh, hopefully something you'll find of value. <laughs> right. So so today it is uh, it is me and you here in the cave, Kent. And um, and uh, yeah, as you as you said, we'll, we'll, we'll continue to keep Maureen and uh, Tim in our prayers as they uh, they mend from covid. But um, one of the things that, you know, the, the Catholic cave, we are here to talk about Catholic philosophy and the Catholic philosophical tradition. And sometimes it's important to take our philosophical lens and start to sort of analyze and look at the things that we take for granted. I think that's kind of the, the idea. We, we take those things that are, that are common, that are everyday, that um, we almost take for granted. And we start to analyze them. We start to look at them. We start to ask what they are. And we start to try to get below the appearance, the way things just sort of look at an everyday level. And we try to figure out what they really are. And I think one of the things that most naturally we look at as Catholics is the church itself. Um, you know, we, we go to mass. We, uh, we, we receive the sacraments. We pray. We have our life. You know, we, we kind of live within the world and outside the world within the context of the church and rarely do we ever sit back and reflect on what exactly is this thing that we call the church and so um the best way to look at something sometimes is to break it down into its constituent parts so um you know what the the basic parts of the church we've got the laity and we've got the clergy and um, those are those are the the two fundamental building blocks, and of course the main building block there of the church is the cornerstone itself, and that's Jesus Christ. So, Jesus is the the foundation, and the Holy Spirit is Jesus's presence here in the world, but it doesn't take place in a vacuum. That that presence is in and through, and in the midst of our everyday lives. And Jesus brings his church together by calling us out of the world to come together as a church. You know, one of the things that I've observed over the over my lifetime is the fact that, you know, mid twentieth century, nineteen sixties, early seventies, there was a shift in in the Catholic Church, especially here in the United States, in which it went from the clergy to the people. It used to always be, you know, everything that happened in the church was run by the clergy, was in the authority of the clergy, and it was just given to the people. After Vatican II, there was a shift saying, hey, you know, the clergy is, is there to serve, but you know what? So are you. And so there was this major shift in, you know, what is the role of the laity in the church? And then, you know, down the road, you know, where do we fit in? How, you know, how far do the laity go 
in serving the church. And then one of the thing, one of the more recent developments, at least here in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, was the reinstitution of the permanent diaconate, which is, you know, it's a perfect blend of the laity with the ordained. What we have now is men within the the archdiocese, and this is throughout the United States and throughout the world. There are permanent deacons who live a you know a, the life of the laity, but also have those responsibilities and the you know the call to serve as ordained ministers of the church. Right, and you know that that shift came about um, because of Vatican II. So you know Vatican II. Um, the, the church really called out for us to be a presence here in the modern world. It was, a, it was an attempt to address and answer the questions that were particularly posed by modernity. And um, obviously that meant that the church had to play a larger part outside its own walls. You know, I think the, the church, I, the, the common complaint is that the church had become insular, right? It had become... Uh, an institution that we all gathered for, for mass, we gathered for the sacraments, but as far as an impact on the world outside of the church, um, we were struggling moving into the modern age in the 1960s, the world was moving fast. Um, technology was coming on board. Business was growing. The boundaries between countries were, were beginning to, at that point, uh, I guess, ossify into an East and West. But eventually, even after the, the fall of the Soviet Union, you know, the, the world became a much more international um, community in and of itself. And the church needed to be prepared for that shift. And so, so Vatican II came about, but that really meant that the church had to play a much bigger role out in the world. You know, we, we had to become a little bit more salt and light and, um, and play that role of those that were bearing the light of Christ into, into the darkness. You know, I think one of the things that I observed is the fact that, you know, after Vatican II and even just after World War II in, in pro- you know, predominantly, prior to that, parishes within, you know, within a diocese or an archdiocese seemed here, at least here in the United States, seemed to be almost national. You know, you had one parish, that's where all the, all the Irish went. One parish, that's where all the German went. One parish, that's where all the Polish went. You had the, these nationals. However, after World War II, with the expansion of the economy, we started seeing that, you know, we were, as a society, becoming much more mobile. And so what had been these individual pockets of Catholics who follow this tradition, Catholics who follow that tradition, became more of a melting pot. And with that came the necessity for the church to become more universal in and of itself. Right. And of course, the purpose of the church has always stayed the same. The purpose of the church is to evangelize, it's to take the light of Christ, to take Christ's message of good hope, which we just celebrated, right? We, we just celebrated Christmas. We, we recognize the Savior here in the midst of the, the dark world. Now we've, we've seen the light, and it's the church that are called by the Holy Spirit 
as men and women to go and take that out into the world. And part of Vatican II was, was, as you mentioned, particularly here in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, was sort of a reinvigoration of an institution that's been there all along, and that's the the permanent diaconate. So we're going to take a a break here, and after our break, we're going to come back, and we're going to talk a little bit with uh, Deacon Tom Scarlett. Deacon Scarlett is a deacon in the the Catholic community of Lawrence County. So that is the the, the parish of uh, St. Vincent de Paul in Bedford and St. Mary the Assumption there in Mitchell. And we're going to talk a little bit about the permanent diaconate, what it is, kind of where it came from, what its purpose is, and and what Deacon Scarlett does as a deacon. Ed, we'll be back to talk to Deacon Tom Scarlett right after this. You're listening to The Catholic Cave on Catholic Radio Indy. You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy, converting the culture to Christ through radio, featuring 100% Catholic programming 24-7. Do your friends a favor. Tell them about Catholic Radio Indy. Alexa, what's the weather forecast for today? Alexa, what time is the Colts game today? Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow. Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? Then make sure that routine includes Alexa... Play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indy. Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here in the cave with Kent Blanford. And we have on the phone with us... Deacon Tom Scarlett, who is a, a deacon with the Catholic community in Lawrence County. So that is uh, St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Bedford and St. Mary the Assumption in Mitchell, Indiana. Welcome to the cave, Deacon Scarlett. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you got to be a little careful around here in the cave. We've got uh, kind of blunt objects and a bit of fire going here. And, uh, you know, it, it's uh, we, 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 we've kind of made this our own personal man cave but um we've we've also uh we've also named our show the catholic cave in homage to plato um plato's cave to kind of get beneath i guess sort of the the illusions of things and the meanings of things and try to get to the truth of things and one of the uh i guess one of the i i don't know if you'd call it an illusion but one of the things that people are sometimes confused about is what exactly a deacon is and what, uh, what role a deacon plays in the church. So we decided we would get a real live deacon here in the cave and, uh, and just grill you, so to speak. So, um, so tell us a little bit, Tom, what, what exactly is a deacon? Well, first of all, thanks for, for having me to the cave. And I, I've, I've got to say this is, this is my first interview in a cave. <laughs> and I like what you've done with the place. There's only so much I think you can do, but it's not as dark and dank as you would expect that you've really spruced it up, so thank you. Um, so what does what is a deacon? What does a deacon do? So um, uh, the, the deacon is uh, the guy who rolls up his sleeves and he gets to work in the parish, in the community. A lot of folks are used to seeing him on the altar, uh, and, and they, they typically think, well, that's what he does. He serves at Mass. He's, a, he's this glorified altar boy. And although there, there's a bit of truth to that, um, it, it's not simplified to that. We are called to serve our parish and community uh, and to develop and grow ministries. Um, so, we, we, so, okay, if you're, if, you're, if you're at the Mass and you see the priest, the priest is wearing his, his vestments, right? He has the, and I'm going to pull a quote from 
uh, Deacon Kerry Blanford, who was uh, the director of uh, the diaconal formation for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, uh, he said, if you, if you notice the priest who wears these vestments, who are long and flowing and looks like a cape, like a superhero, you'll notice that the deacon's is slightly different in that his has sleeves, and that is so the deacon can roll up those sleeves and get to work. So we do that. We, uh, we go to work in the community. We uh, work in prison ministries. We work in a lot of the nursing facilities uh, for the homebound, for the sick. Uh, to the, for the dying, uh, things like that. So we, we are simply called to serve, and that's what we do. We get out there and we, we do what we can to serve in whatever way that we can, whatever ministries that we can discover. So a, a deacon is an ordained minister. Um, you are you are part of, technically part of the clergy. And right. in, in getting into, I guess, sort of... Um, the the meaning of things. What what exactly does it mean to be ordained? I mean, we 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 watch people be ordained. We know our priests are ordained. We know our deacons are ordained. What exactly is it um, that that's happening when somebody is ordained? So the 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 uh, formation to become a deacon was actually for the Archdiocese of Indy was a, a five year process when you count the year of discernment. Um, it's actually an entry into seminary studies. It's not traditional seminaries as uh, one who was entering the priesthood would go and actually live with the, the other seminarians. Uh, starting with the, the year of discernment, uh, groups of us would meet once a month uh, for the full 12 months along with our wives, if we have wives, um, because they are very much a part of, of the diaconate as much as the, the, the fellow is. And uh, we, we would talk about what, what is expected, what, what is this call to holy orders, uh, what is required, and, you know, through this, this period of discernment, uh, the, the group, which I think for us started as a group of over 100 men, and there was over 60-some applicants, and there were uh, 21 of us who was chosen, who were, who were discerned that we had a legitimate call. And uh, so we entered into these seminary studies. So we would meet uh, once a month for a full weekend. We would, we would uh, go to a location. In our case, it was the Our Lady of Fatima Retreat Center in Indianapolis uh, on a Friday evening. And it was, it was rather intense uh, studies that, that we would uh, participate in, as well as prayer and mass, uh, all the way until Sunday afternoon. Um, so through that, there were academic papers to be written. These were... These were, um, uh, a, I, I guess you would say it was class that was established by St. Myred. Um, so everything was overseen by them. Everything was approved by them to a certain extent. Um, so our formation was simply that as any clergy, any priest would enter into in this non-typical format of not being on, on campus in a, semin- in a seminary. Um, but... At the end of our formation, we would be ordained as clergy, as permanent deacons, uh, whereas at the end of the formation that a priest would go to, he would be ordained as a transitional deacon uh, with the intent of his ordination into the priesthood. Our stops at that ordination. Our holy orders are to be a permanent deacon, and, and I hate to say that's where it ends because that sounds uh, rather abrupt and simple, and, it, and it's not that. Uh, Actually, that's where it starts. That's that's where we actually begin our our office. 
So why why the uh, why 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 did the permanent diaconate kind of come back? I, I, I maybe I'm wrong about this, but my impression was that. Um, the diaconate had, I mean, it's always been there, but it had kind of been, I guess, dormant for, for quite a while. And then probably, I think it was under uh, St. John Paul II, um, the idea of a permanent diaconate as having a much more prominent role within churches and parishes started to kind of come back. What, um, what sort of spurred that? Why, why this new push for, for, for permanent deacons? You know, I think it's, uh, and this is just my opinion, I believe that it was, it was simply the misunderstanding of what a deacon is and who a deacon is. Um, I, I'm not an authority on the, on the his, history of all this, but from, from my simple understanding is that it started and stopped uh, through the Archdiocese of, of Indianapolis over the years uh, for whatever reasons, and I, I believe it was simply because, you know, the question is, how do you form a deacon? You know, they are they know how to form priests, uh, but the deacon was just such a concept that was unfamiliar um, that that they didn't know how to do it. And I think they've got it figured out now. I think they, they've got it figured out in space. I'm thankful for my formation, and I, I believe any of the uh, my brother deacons would tell you, as well as those who, who form us, uh, that they're getting better at it, they get better at understanding it, and that they know that it's a, it's a long process, and that it's not something you can simply, uh, you know, you can't go online and 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 get a certificate that I, hey, I'm a deacon now, so I'm, I'm ordained, I'm part of a clergy. It's much deeper than that. It's a calling, and it's a forming of of your soul uh, to service, and it's a bringing out of your calling. It's a developing of that so that you realize what you are and what your ministries are and how you want to serve. So tell us a little bit about that, that calling, I guess. Um, you know, when, when somebody is, is stirred and, and they, they feel that calling, um, what is it that they're exactly being called to? I mean, you, you've mentioned that you're called to, to ministry, but, um, and, and obviously we've, we've got different charisms, we've got different talents, but what is it that exactly somebody's being called to when they feel that initial tug um, towards the diaconate? Yeah, that's a very good question, and that's a very difficult answer because I, I, I believe that that calling is uniquely uh, different for each one of us. You know, I could tell you that, that my calling was this loud, deafening, uh, Charlton Heston voice from God saying, you know, come serve me as my deacon, but but it simply wasn't that. Maybe it was that for another, um, but, it, you know, for, for some of us, it's, it's, it's uncertainty. For many of us, it was uncertainty. We felt um, there was a call, but how can you be sure? So thus that period of discernment. And even at that, after that year of discernment, there can be that uncertainty. So I think that the calling is that of faith. Uh, one of my brother deacons had, had, had put it at one point. He said, I believe I'm being called. I feel that God wants me to serve him in some way, and I feel this is the way that he's calling me. So I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and until he tells me otherwise or he puts a hurdle up or he turns me in another direction, I believe this is where he wants me to be. So I, I thought that was quite smart. So I adopted that same mentality, and, you know, he keeps leading me in that direction. I, I feel that this, you know, he, he wants me to keep moving my feet as his deacon, so, so I do so. 
We are speaking with uh, Deacon Tom Scarlett of the Catholic Community of Lawrence County here in the Catholic Cave today, and we are talking about the uh, the permanent diaconate. So, there are um, there are permanent deacons, and those are married men who continue to serve the church. Um, as as you, I think I, I think the the key word there that you used, Deacon Scarlett, was ministry. Um, you you develop and and serve by developing ministries within parishes. Now your own personal, um, I think, charisms have have led you to the world of of communications, and uh, you have a uh, you have a podcast called the the Deacon Speaking. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the, the podcast and where that came from. So yeah, ministries. Um, we during our five years of formation, our four years of formal formation, uh, we are required to discern ministries. That is, we 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 need to be busy doing something. We need to be serving in in some way. Um, so each of us has a different call and different interests on what that service might be. Some of us are called to uh, do prison ministry. There's some of us who are called. Uh, for the nursing facilities, uh, there's some some other very unique ministries out there. So um, I'm going to back up for a second. Uh, as you had said, that the, you know the deacons are, are married men. We're we're not only married men. There are uh, those who are are called who are you know considered consecrated celibates. There are those who um, have been single. There are those who are widows, widowers. Um, so, so it's it's a diverse group of folks who are called, uh, but not simply married men. But married men are are um, are actually allowed to to serve as clergy in the role of deacon. So ministries, um, a lot a lot of us gravitate to the nursing facilities where we can do communion services, where we can comfort the sick and the dying, to where we can uh, evangelize. Uh, to those who can't make it into church spaces. Um, that, that's a very common ministry for us and a very necessary ministry. So um, we deacons who are married and who have families uh, who are of the age to still be in the workforce, um, we, we have responsibilities as parents, as husbands, um, to hold a full-time job. And it's, it, it's absolutely stressful to us during formation, you are also called to minister within your workplace. The deacon is not limited to, you know, his church spaces. So get out there in your work and be a deacon everywhere. You don't just put your hat on when you, you clock out at 5 o'clock. Um, so with that comes the challenges of, well, what other ministries can I develop? What can I discover? And, and it does become a challenge because if you're putting in, you know, if there's those often, you know, 10, 12-hour days, uh, you're wiped at the end of the day. So do I have that energy to pick up and move my feet and go into the, the prisons and evangelize and give communion? Um, so, so you get creative. And from that came the podcast. I, I had found that social media, at least from, from my limited view, is underutilized as a ministry. Sure, you can go on and you can find hours of cat videos and entertainment, you know, and, and just, you know, brain candy and mind-numbing entertainment, but where are the ministries? Uh, so I, I, I started the podcast as that intention, just to minister to folks, to get the word out there, um, and it's grown. It's, it's been slow. It, I, just this last week, uh, 
started the third season, the third year, and posted the 101st episode. So these are weekly podcasts, uh, and it began from uh, my homilies. You know, I am I am allowed to to preach by the parish parish priest um, once per month, and I, I had some folks coming up, and I'm sure you guys have, have realized this too. You know, some some folks will contact you after listening to an episode and say that moved me, that touched me in this way. Um, so that was that was important to me. When someone would say that, I thought, okay, well, you know, I can I can spread this uh, these homilies, these sermons out through podcasts, and maybe reach somebody else, someone who's in need, someone who needs to hear God's word in some way, wherever they're at in their lives. Um, and it started growing, and the response was really good. Um, the, the funny thing, it started out, I, I had a very clever name for it. It was called the Catholic Deacon Podcast. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, not, not known for my creativity there. So the following was okay, and uh, probably August of 2020, I decided to change the name to Deacon Speakin'. And with that, I realized a 150% increase on you know listenership in the next month, and then another 150% over the next month. And I think that's because a lot of folks were intimidated by the title and thought, you know, if I'm not a Catholic, I can't listen to this, when the truth is the evangelization reaches beyond um, our titles, beyond our faith limitations, if you will, um, to where others could say, okay, well, maybe there is a message in this for me as well. And I, I think that we've been successful in that. So the podcast grew as as a uh, as a necessity for me to minister through social media, and so far it's been very well received. So the uh, the the podcast came out of your sermons and the, the homilies that you were giving, and so that's one role that that I think we're most of us are familiar with that the the deacon plays as ordained clergy what other roles do you play that are sort of outside the realm of a layperson because as you were going through sort of the uh you know the well we're, we're called to minister in our workplace you know the the question logically came up well then what sets apart a deacon from a layperson i mean because to a certain extent we're all called to minister at our workplaces how does a, a deacon's ministry look different than a layperson's does well the, the shocking part of that is is really not much. Um, there, there is nothing that that the deacon can can do uh, that the layperson can't do as well. Um, so you know, we we are we have the holy orders. So yeah, we have that blessing in the sacrament. Uh, beyond that, you know, we we preach the gospel at mass. We're we're you know allowed to do certain things on the altar, but. Beyond that, no, no. It's 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 really humbling to realize that just because I'm given a title and I, uh, you know, of course the Archbishop laid his hands on us and blessed us, which is a blessing, and gave us those holy orders. Um, what we the humbling part of it is what we what we are doing are things that everyone can do. We keep one foot in each camp. We keep a foot in the camp of clergy. We keep another foot in the uh, parish pews, and I think it, that's necessary uh, that we remind ourselves of that. Because, um, not to simplify it, but there's there's really nothing special about the deacon uh, except that we have dedicated ourselves 
in that facet um, to whereas the lay person, I don't know, maybe they haven't dedicated themselves on that level. Maybe they haven't even more so, which even is, is more humbling. Um, but we're, we're, we're really, uh, we're, we're glorified lay people. That's what I'll say. Now, some of my Deacon brothers may cringe and uh, I may get some, some hate mail from them for that, but uh, <laughs> I, I certainly don't put myself a, a, above the lay person in any way. Kent, Kent there's, no, the, there's no hierarchy. There's no rank there. Yeah, yeah. Kent's the one here that, that feels the hate mail, so we'll uh, we'll put him on alert for <laughs> uh, My apologies in advance. That's okay. I'll just hit the delete button and be done with it. I do have a question for you, and that's the fact that uh, I know there are certain administrations of the sacraments and and working within the, the presentation of sacraments that a deacon did, can do that the layperson can't. What are those, and you know, what's the limitation of what a deacon can do within the sacraments, and what are they not allowed to do? So, uh, within the sacraments, the, the, the deacon cannot uh, provide the sacrament of reconciliation. That is limited to the priest. Um, as far as anointing, the deacon does not anoint, although we've been told in the case of emergency uh, or dire situations, the deacon could do that. Um, aside from that, you know, we are doing baptisms. Uh, we are uh, doing the wedding ceremony, the rite without the Mass. So, you know, of course, during the Mass, the priest uh, does the consecration. The, the deacon is not ordained or called to do that. And it, is, it is not given that authority. Uh, so we're rather limited in that. Uh, but, but besides that, um, it, it, it's, it's pretty open. It, it's typical of what a layperson could do as well. Uh, a layperson could, you know, anoint in the case of emergency, you know, in last rites, uh, a, a person could do that. A layperson could baptize if, if the situation dictated or called for that. So if uh, if if we have somebody that's out there listening and they're 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 they they've had that uh, they they've heard that that very small still voice because I th- I think you're exactly right I I don't think too many of us have the experience of God speaking to us in that Charlton Heston voice, um, but if somebody is is sort of feeling that tug towards the the diaconate, what kind of uh, what kind of advice would you give them? Pray pray about it. Start that conversation with God early and have it often, uh, because he will respond to you. Uh, it, it may not be easy to discern, but I, I firmly believe if you put yourself on the path to discernment, he will lead you in the right direction. Um, it's, it's not easy. It, I, I should say it's not always easy. In my case, it wasn't. There are a lot of things that, that came up that got in, in my way or tried to get in the way. Uh, because life does that, right? Uh, there are hurdles that, that come up. And, you know, I, I entered into the diaconal formation uh, with younger kids. You know, my kids were, weren't yet teenagers. And uh, there are certain challenges that come along with that uh, because there are things that are required and there are sacrifices that have to be made. Uh, but if someone is even even thinking for for a slight moment that there is a calling there, start the conversation with God, uh, and that's a conversation that that is unique to them. Uh, whatever that looks like, I would also encourage them to seek some sort of spiritual direction. Um, I would start with their parish priest 
to find out what that spiritual direction should look like. And, and priests are wonderful in that. I, you know, any priest that I've encountered that I've talked to about my calling in the early stages of formation was quite excited to talk about it. They want you to discern. They want you to hear that call. They want you to experience what they've experienced in their own discernment. Um, so that's the best starting point. Talk to a parish priest. Talk to another deacon and talk about spiritual formation and how to start that conversation. Yes, yeah, so um, so the 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 process of, of spiritual discernment, um, you know, I think that's a, a topic that we could probably do a whole show in its own right. Um, the and I, are there deacons that that's kind of been their their particular calling is helping people through, I guess the the, the spiritual life, helping people through that process of just sort of hearing what God's saying to them, hearing what, what God's calling them to do um, through prayer. Yeah, I have a few of my deacon brothers that were in my class alone now. We were the, the third group to go through, which is funny because um, the, the deacons who went through in the first group call themselves first-class deacons, refer to us as third-class deacons. But we don't <laughs> take that first. <laughs> deacon, deacons can have a sense of humor, right? Um, so there, there were a few of my deacon brothers in my class who actually attained a certification for spiritual direction, and they felt that calling to help others discern and are quite successful. And, and when I look back on it, uh, I look at the fellows who, who uh, pursued that type of ministry, it makes sense because they are geared that way. Uh, they're these fatherly figures who are quite approachable, and uh, they just say the right things. And I think that's because they let God guide them in the things to say. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's more common than I realize. But in my class, there were a few people, a uh, few fellows who, who uh, discern that ministry and are quite successful at it. We've been speaking with uh, Deacon Tom Scarlett of uh, St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Bedford and St. Mary the Assumption Parish in Mitchell, Indiana. And we've been talking about the permanent diaconate today. And... Um, I think one of the things that uh, you've, you've, you've mentioned a couple of times is, is the diaconate is all about ministry. It's all about serving in that, that role and, and sort of leading a life where you've been consecrated. You've been set aside to a certain extent as somebody that's received holy orders to, um, preach, to, to preach to the world. What, what are some of the, the challenges that you've, um, you've encountered in that? Because I, 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 you, you mentioned the, the, the challenge of trying to balance having a family life, having a working life, having a sort of life outside the church. What are some of the additional challenges that you've uh, sort of encountered? Oh, my. Uh, well, let's talk about COVID. Uh, COVID just shook the wheels off of the whole machine. So a lot of us, you know, as I said earlier, our ministries are called to get out and serve, and COVID kind of locked us down from that. Um, so my brothers who had been going to the nursing facilities, been going to the prisons, uh, they, they have either been shut off completely or they have been reduced to a limited capacity. Um, so they, they've experienced their own challenges in that. Uh, another reason why I was drawn to social media in that there was no lockdown there, and actually I, I experienced uh, a kind of a spiritual growth through social media, and, and I'll explain that. So um, early on, in, I want to say March of 2020, when things first started ramping up and, and you know, we were, we were all quite scared, um, I started a nightly rosary through Facebook Live. And it was amazing how folks gravitated to that. 
And I, I thought it was successful in bringing the words of people and bringing prayer and some comfort to people. And I'm not taking credit for that. I'm saying that the group offered that prayer and comfort to each other by our nightly gatherings. Uh, we would have 120, 130 people praying the rosary together, and not all of them Catholic. Uh, a lot of them, you know, not friends of mine from Facebook. Many of them we have had some folks gathering in from uh, Perth, Australia, uh, to start their morning, we would do it at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and you know, in Perth, Australia, that I believe that's 7 or 8 a.m. their time. Uh, so they would start their mornings with the rosaries, and the response was so good. Uh, so COVID certainly presented a huge challenge to ministry, uh, but there also was a huge blessing uh, because of the utilization of social media to kind of keep the church body together. And it also allowed us, at least for St. Vincent and St. Mary, to grow that church body a bit. Um, with all the, the fear and the uncertainty, it was good for them to be able to gather in one space through the rosary and through prayer and see their fellow parishioners in the same room uh, just in one big cumulative amen. Wow, that is that is fantastic. 120 people um, gathering online. I mean, I, I understand it was kind of early in the COVID thing, but um, getting you know more than four or five people to, to sit down to do anything online, um, that that's absolutely amazing. That's fantastic. Well, um, thank you. By the grace of God, and like I said, that's no credit to me. That's the church community coming together and, and drawing in some of their their, their friends and co-workers, etc. It, it's interesting, too, because a lot of folks would message me. You know, the, the rosary, we would pray together for, you know, 40 minutes or so. Uh, and then afterwards, I'd spend the next hour fielding questions or comments from people, a lot of them asking, what's this rosary thing and how's it work? So, um, you know, I think God used that as a great tool to, to not only evangelize, but to bring others to him, so all the glory to, to God on that. That had absolutely nothing to do with me, but uh, that had everything to do with with His word and His calling to those. Through of all things, social media. Through of all things, Facebook. You know, who would have thought? So, so COVID has been a particular challenge, and uh, I think this is a broader question than just about the the diaconate. Um, as we move into to 2021 here, and and we've sort of we've 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 had COVID for a little bit, we're either getting used to it, or maybe we're we're maybe even seeing the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see facing the church, um, whether it's it's the church there in uh, in Lawrence County, or whether it's uh, the church in Indiana, or or whether we want to look at at the, uh, the the global universal church here? What are some of the biggest challenges that that you see facing us um, coming up? Yeah, I, I can only really speak to what I you know my own personal reality is what's in front of me in Lawrence County here and. The biggest challenge is that desire, that want, that extreme hunger that the church body has to be back in communion with the Eucharist, to be back in church spaces, uh, celebrating as, as we had before. So people, people are longing for that return to normalcy. Uh, but I think we are all now, you you'd mentioned maybe we're getting used to it. Maybe that is the case. And I, you know, I hate to say, but maybe that's okay because... Uh, the old normal, you know, that may be gone. Um, so the new normal uh, may be us getting creative again with our ministries and getting back into these church spaces. Now, in Lawrence County, 
you know, our parish council was outstanding and worked with, with our priests and our other deacon. I, I am one of two deacons that serves the Catholic community of Lawrence County. They were incredible at developing a plan to safely get back into the church spaces early. Um, and I'm thinking that was around uh, the June-July time frame. Everything's kind of foggy for 2020. Uh, but, you know, they, they did studies on distance and all this, and how can we uh, provide sanitizers and face masks, and how can we keep people social, socially distanced? And uh, we're blessed with a, a large gymnasium, so they come up with a backup plan for overflow. So uh, we will live stream these masses, which was another challenge in itself. Uh, but if we live stream, then we can put folks in the overflow in the gymnasium and bring communion down to them. I, I, we only had to do that on a few occasions, um, but I believe that is the greatest challenge. How do we get our folks back into the churches? Um, our demographic in both St. Vincent's and St. Mary's is an aging demographic. I, I think that's probably a safe bet for, for most of the parishes in the archdiocese. Um, so being an aging demographic, that presents challenges in itself in being you know, high-risk groups. Um, so these folks are doing the right things, and they are attending Mass uh, spiritually through our streamed... We stream uh, our weekly or our weekend Masses, and we also stream any special events that we have. Um, but there's still, there's still, even though they know there's the dispensation, even though they know that they are receiving Christ spiritually, they long to be in His spaces, in, in His presence, uh, at the Mass, participating as a member of the Mass, and not only consuming, but being consumed by the body of Christ. Yeah, you've, you've mentioned two things that have sort of happened there. On the one hand, um, I think spiritually we've been awakened to what we've long taken for granted. So we've, we've taken the sacraments for granted. We've taken community for granted. We've taken all of these things for granted, and I think uh, COVID has been a, a great um, sort of calling back to appreciation of the sacraments and uh, and our communities, and then you also mentioned the the new reliance on on uh, new media on social media. Um, you know, John Paul II was um, calling for new evangelization. He was calling for using the the means of mass communications for the church, and now suddenly we're in a situation where we're forced to use it. And, um, you know, that, that's been kind of a, a calling card of, of your ministry, having the, uh, the, the podcast and um, your, your homilies there available for people to take, you know, listen to remotely um, when they're not able to, uh, to gather in the parish. I, I agree with that. So what necessity is the mother of, of invention, right? So, um, when when we when we first shut down and we're thinking about and I believe all parishes went through this. How do we reach the folks who are staying away, who are staying home out of safety? And um, so we slowly started to uh, I guess educate ourselves on how to stream. And one of our parishioners, you know, I'll give him props all day. Uh, Dale Platter has been an amazing force in our streaming. Um, and as we started learning. Uh, Dale immersed himself into the videography side of all of this. And, and, well, I shouldn't limit it to that, but also the sound to try to perfect the sound because you want, you know, good quality. So I, 
I, I, I joke that um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, St. Vincent at least is, is up for a primetime Emmy in videography for what, <laughs> for what Dale has done in growing our streaming of the masses. He just does an incredible job with it. And what a blessing that is, too, because it gives the folks who can't make it into our space that opportunity to at least feel like, in some degree, that they're in the church spaces where they, they long to be. And Dale, Dale puts them right in the room. And it's amazing with what he does. Well, we've been talking with Deacon Tom Scarlett of uh, St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Bedford and St. Mary the Assumption Parish in Mitchell, the uh, the Catholic community of Lawrence County. And um, this has been a great conversation. We've, uh, we, I think, a lot of us have kind of we've we've seen deacons. We we know that the deacons are there, but we've always wondered what what exactly is a permanent deacon? What do the permanent deacons do? So this has been a, a great conversation. Um, deacon Scarlett, if people want to listen to your uh, your podcast, the Deacon Speaking, um, where would they go? Where would they uh, find out more about that podcast? Uh, it, it can be found wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Of course, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, Libsyn is the foundation, L-I-B-S-Y-N. Uh, can also be, well, like I said, anywhere anywhere where you listen, if you simply search for Deacon Speaking, uh, it should pop up. It's got a pretty far reach, um, and I look forward to hearing any comments anyone has after after having a listen. All right. Well, great. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining us here in the uh, the Catholic Cave, and uh, thank you so much for uh, hearing the call of God and uh, and serving the church as a deacon. Thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate that, and I, I extend my prayers to you. I'll actually dedicate my work day uh, to you guys in support of your own ministry. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. All right, and we'll be back with more of the Catholic Cave right after this. No fake news here, just the good news of Jesus Christ as shared through his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Catholic Radio Indy. Have you been married and have since divorced? Do you think your marital status prevents you from coming to church? Most Catholics and non-Catholics unfortunately have a lot of misconceptions about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Pope Francis has recently encouraged all people with questions about marriage to make an appointment and talk with their parish priest. As Catholic priests, we look forward to the opportunity to help you on your journey through life. Please make an appointment to speak with the priest today. We are and will always be here for you. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Welcome back to the Catholic Cave. I'm Mark Tuttle here with Kent Blanford, and unfortunately, Tim O'Donnell is absent again today, or still. I shouldn't say again. Yeah. He's absent still, um, um, recovering from COVID. So um, we just got done with a great interview with uh, Deacon Tom Scarlett. And, um, you know, we, we started off that whole interview just sort of straight up, what is a deacon? What does a deacon do? And um, through the, the course of talking with Deacon Scarlett, it became pretty apparent that, you know, a deacon is somebody who is commissioned by the church to sort of set an example of what we ought to be doing as Christians ourselves. So the, so the deacon is somebody that, that has been set aside by the church, ordained, that's what ordination is. Ordination and the receiving of holy orders is now somebody who's, who's set aside. But what they're set aside for is ministry. And they're set aside for the ministries of the church that all of us as lay people ought to be participating and ought to be doing ourselves. So to a certain extent, a deacon is just somebody that's set aside 
as somebody that's supposed to be an example of what we're supposed to be doing as lay people. So as, as Deacon Scarlett said, they've got one foot in both worlds. Right. When you look back historically, I mean, if you read uh, the book of Acts, they talk about the fact that, uh, you know, there were disputes among some of the, the new, new converts to Christianity as to, you know, who should be taking care of the orphans and the widows and things like that. And those who were the apostles, those who were, were doing the preaching and doing the active, active uh, sacramental types of ministry decided that it was best that they hand those, some of those duties over to what became the diaconate. Right. And then, you know, that's a role of the deacon that I don't think we explicitly talked about too much with, with Deacon Scarlet, but it was certainly there in the background. And that is, you know, the permanent diaconate is there to be assistants and to be, um, I think, helpers and, and be there to, to support and help the, the priests. Well, I think like, like uh, the deacon said, you know, it, it's a matter of the deacon is the one who rolls up his sleeves. And I, I have to at this point, um, you know, full full disclosure is the fact that uh, when he mentioned Deacon Kerry Blanford, who is the um, who runs the diaconate formation program for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, that is my older brother, and so I have been able to watch the development of the diaconates within the archdiocese from the beginning because Kerry was in that actually actually that first diaconate class for the Archdiocese of Indianapolis, and now administers that. And his other role, in, in in addition to that, is he's the administrator of St. Andrew Parish here in Indianapolis. And so, you know, the service stretches to, you know, the church, to bringing in more deacons, and to, you know, the, the sacramental there also. Right, right. And I think more and more the deacons are being called upon to act as parish administrators, um, particularly here in the, the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. They're, they're being asked to kind of step into um, roles in, in um, you know, situations where you have maybe two or three parishes that are being administered by a single priest. Now we've also got deacons then that are there at each of these parishes that are uh, playing a lot of the, the more, I, I guess, as you said, you know, role that a priest would typically pray that involves a little bit more rolling up the sleeves and getting the hands dirty and, and um, kind of working with the actual people. The deacons are beginning to take those types of roles on a little bit more, which frees up the priests to be able to concentrate on hearing confessions, offering masses, being there to, to, to be that sacramental presence within a parish where the more ministerial presence is, is now being, I, I think more and more, um, I, I don't want to leave the priests out of it because they obviously do a lot of ministerial work too. But but the deacons are being called to to be a little bit more of those those parish administrators and parish ministers. And you know, unfortunately, you know, with just the the priest shortage within the United States, I mean, you know, here in the diocese of Indian archdiocese of Indianapolis, you know, we are seeing a decrease in the number of priests on a yearly basis. We have those who pass away, those who retire. And we just don't see the numbers coming up to replace them. Right. And, you know, I think that's another role that once again was in the background of our conversation with uh, Deacon Scarlett. And that is the deacons, to a good extent, are leaders of the ministries that lay people are more and more 
stepping up to um, to perform. So as as the laity needs to take a larger role within the church, which yeah, we, we started off talking about Vatican II and, and the changes within the church, and one of the, the big changes was the emphasis on the role of the laity within the church. The deacons are playing a little bit of a leadership role in forming those ministries, in leading those ministries, and therefore calling the laity to participate in those ministries. You know, one of the things I want to mention here, I saw this this popped up yesterday on my Facebook feed. Um, the Archdiocese of Indianapolis is holding a day of prayer for vocations. And they, they put it up here as, do you know any men ages 18 to 50 who would like to attend a day of prayer with Archbishop Thompson sponsored by the Archdiocese of Indianapolis Vocations Office? It will be held on March the 13th at St. Peter and Paul Cathedral. And if you need more information on that or to register, you can go to heargodscall.com slash 2021 dash retreats. It's a little opportunity for men who, you know, maybe in that early stage of discerning, you know, how they can, you know, seek a vocation. Now, this it, this particular thing looks like they're they're focusing more toward uh, the priesthood. But uh, I'm sure, you know, the prayers there and, and, you know, the focus is going to be on vocations to the church, whether that's as the permanent diaconate in the priesthood. You know, if you're a man, you know, go to the Archdiocese website. It'll be out there also, I'm sure. Right. And and finding your vocation in life is a it's a process, as, as Deacon Scarlett said, it was a five year process of intense study. But even before that, there was a period of discernment. And so the, the starting of that process can be as simple as hearing a calling like that, you know, an actual physical calling of the, the archbishop saying, hey, if you've ever thought about a vocation, come and join me for a prayer session. You know, that that's the kind of calling that, uh, you know. You, we hear it, you know, we see it on Facebook, we see it out there in, in the bulletins and things like that. But most of the priests that I know who have, you know, been ordained throughout the years have come back and said, you know, it was because one priest or one person invited me or suggested that I approach this. And so, you know, for all of you out there, you know, who have children who may be thinking about uh, a priesthood or a vocation, by all means, encourage that. The world needs that. And uh, I don't know a single priest who has ever really regretted that decision. Right. And that need for encouragement and for reaching out goes beyond just the the discernment process our priests and our deacons they need our support and they need us to walk up and thank them for hearing that calling so the next time you're at mass and you see the deacon or you see the priest walk up to them and thank them for hearing god's call of course keep that socially distanced uh, you know bump the elbow or whatever's necessary but uh, you know make sure they know they're appreciated and that is all the time we have for the catholic cave for this week for mark tuttle I'm Kent Blanford. Tim, get well. We'll see you next time. The Catholic Cave is a production of Catholic Radio Indy. Replays of this program are available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org. Comments about this program can be addressed to Kent at catholicradioindy.org or by calling 317-870-8400. 
Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.